The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. I first met Rachel Zell when I had been living in LA for about two years. I had just launched my little lifestyle blog and someone from her team reached out to invite me to an event that she was hosting. And I remember feeling excited and flattered and also unsure that she even knew I was invited to the event. But of course I wanted to go. So I remember arriving to the party and Rachel recognized me as soon as I walked through the door. She called me over to take some pictures with her and her friends and she was so cute about it. She's like, look, we're like twins and let's take all these pictures and have fun. And she just could not have been more inviting, welcoming, friendly, and kind. And I think that as someone who was new to town, I really needed that kind of a person, someone to set the tone for me, someone to encourage me. And Rachel was that right from the very beginning. So just like most of the world, what I knew of Rachel originally was that she was a fashion icon. And I spent a lot of time watching her on the Zoe project and of course recognized her as such an icon in fashion. But over the last few years as we've become friends, I've realized that she's truly such a well-rounded person in all the best ways. She is such a mentor. She is a wonderful mother and wife. She is a great friend. She's a philanthropist. She's obviously a killer businesswoman. I feel very fortunate to have been able to get to know her in a more personal way outside of just the fashion industry. And this is something that I want for my listeners to get to know her in the way that I have over the last few years. So I hope that everyone will enjoy this episode. I made it my first because I really think that it speaks to what the theme of the podcast is, which is inclusivity, kindness, positivity, optimism. And so I hope you'll all enjoy. Typically, we record the bright side in a studio, and of course, we had to make adjustments with COVID-19. So this episode was recorded incorrectly by me, (laughs) Um, so the audio isn't quite up to par, but we felt the content of this episode was so much more important than the quality of the audio, and so we hope you'll bear with us, and I hope you enjoy this episode in the meantime. Welcome to today's episode of The Bright Side. My guest today is... CEO, philanthropist, creative director, and founder of The Zoe Report, Rachel Zoe. Not that you needed an introduction, because I'm sure everyone listening is already well aware. But thank you for being here. Thank you, sweetheart. I wanted to have you on because you're someone who I really look to as, I don't know, I guess I would say a role model. Um, I also feel like you're one of the people who, whenever I'm feeling kind of down on myself, makes me feel a lot better about myself when I just think, oh, well, Rachel sees something in me because I think you're just such an inspiration. And I really admire you not only professionally, but also um, just what you've done, creating such a beautiful family and life for yourself. And I love how supportive you are of other women and encouraging of everyone's success. And, you know, that's really a big part of what I want to promote through this podcast. So I thought you'd be really great to have on to speak to some of that. I'm so happy to talk to you considering, you know, people say that you look like my baby sister, maybe there's some 
world and you know and I always joke I feel like they're just being nice and you know I probably look more like your mom you have to stop saying that because it's not true but I do see a lot in you and I think uh, I think you underestimate yourself I do thank you as as a lot of us do but I would say I don't know to me you've just always been this bright um this just bright ray of sunshine that always kind of walks into the room with this like cute little smile you know I really appreciate that um and that's exactly how I feel about you as well it just anytime I'm around you and all of your friends I feel like you've cultivated such a great group of women that you surround yourself with and it's just every time I'm in a space with all of you it's such a warm welcoming environment and I think in the fashion space especially people being welcoming and warm is not typically the standard no not at all I grew up in a very unwarm, unwarm, not proper English, but I was not nurtured and supported. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I want to talk about that. I just want to talk about from the very beginning because you and I see each other a lot at events and we get to talk about whatever is going on in our lives currently, but we've never really gotten to delve into, or I haven't, all the things that I'd love to know about you more, Mm -hmm. which is like where you started. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I went to George Washington University great school. And I, I was a sociology psychology major, didn't know I was getting into fashion, although it was a hundred percent my passion. But at that point, I didn't know that you can make a career out of it. I, I, I didn't know that was possible then. It's vastly different than it is now where you can, you know, decide you want to major in it and then study it in school and then intern for, you know, amazing fashion people throughout the industry was not like that at all, or at least if it was, I had no idea about it. So long story short is, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist. I really did not love being a student at all, you know, very admittedly. And I I even tell my kids that, you know, because I was, I was in a huge rush to kind of grow up and become, you know, self-sufficient, like work hard and make money. And that was something that I was really weirdly looking forward to. Whereas I knew so many students that just want to stay in school as long as possible. And I really just was ready. But the truth is, is that um, I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist. And then I found out you had to go to extra school for that. And so that immediately went out the window because I was like, no. Okay, we are exactly like, I wanted to go to medical school and same exact thing. After I I did all my pre-med classes, I was like, I just want to work. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to work. I just was really craving that. You know, I really was. And I think some... Some kids don't want to grow up and I think some kids grow up too fast. And I think for me, I was in such a hurry to be a grown up, And now I'm like, what the hell was I doing? But I very randomly got a job um, interview through a friend of a friend's daughter's sister kind of thing. And I got a job as a fashion assistant um, at YM Magazine, which you're probably too young to even know what that is. I worked, you know, 24 seven. I was paid basically nothing. But long story short is... I basically worked my way up there for about two and a half years. Um, And I left as senior fashion editor and I started working freelance. And I started working with like Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and Jessica Simpson and Enrique Iglesias and all of the, you know, pop stars of that time. And that really was a 24-7, extremely lucrative, insane job. Was that doing styling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I gave 
every second of my, I literally didn't know if I was coming or going. I was like on a plane every day. I was flying all over the world. It was literally insane. When it's something you're passionate about, about like that, you loved it so much. Right. Yeah. I didn't care. I was so blessed. I loved it so much. And, you know, listen, there's a thing when you work for yourself, you know, it's so funny. There's this weird thing that people used to say, well, you work for yourself. You can take as much vacation as you want. And I would be like, I had not had a day off or an hour to myself in, you know, years. I missed everything. Like I missed every important like birthday, baby shower, wedding, you know, you name it, I missed it. But that kind of life is not sustainable for that long. And I did it for, you know, a good long time. Like I moved out to LA then because my work kept taking me out here. Basically, I'm giving you the five minute, but basically I love it. I then got my very first red carpet job not in pop music and not in music with Jennifer Garner for a big award show. So there's a difference between when you're styling for a a pop star who's touring or... It was a little bit of everything, but my entire world was immersed in the music world. It was music videos, album covers, tours. Um, I mean, and in that day, music videos were literally insane. The budgets were like nothing you've ever seen. I mean, Uh, music videos were everything back then. I used to get up and watch the top 20 music videos every Sunday morning. Remember? I totally remember that. That was how you got your new music. Totally. And that was the thing. So we, so the, the schedules were insane. And, you know, I was working with, you know, at the time and simultaneously Backstreet, Enrique, Britney, um, uh, Jessica Simpson. I mean, you name it. So like my schedule was literally insane. And at one point I just woke up and I was like, I need to just switch gears. You know, I need to, because I started in fashion and working with like models and designers and fashion shows and the whole thing. And I was losing that kind of thing that I just loved so much. And I loved creating like those magic Cinderella moments. That it was like my favorite thing to do. How and are making- you, by the way, juggling a relationship with Roger at that point? Well, thankfully he was in investment banking, which when you're coming up as an investment banker, you pretty much like never see them. Same so thing, we were right? both, you know, I would say like your twenties is really laying the groundwork for your life. And that's just kind of when you have to like, do it. You just have to do it, you know? And if you're not becoming like a young mom um, and you're trying to build your career, it's like, that's when you have to give the blood, sweat and tears, you know? I I actually was in Roger's (laughs) position because when right after college, I took a job at an asset management company and I worked 24 seven for five years. So I was doing that same grind where like I had no social life whatsoever. And I was like, I loved it. I was, I was learning all the time and but I, for the same same kind of thing, eventually had to step away from it because I was like, okay, I, I got to have a life or I got to yeah. grow. And you watch your whole kind of life go by, you know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It really is. And even though I like loved what I was doing, I just was like, I miss fashion. Like I miss, I miss like using couture and I miss, you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. sort of like, I just had to sort of check myself and sort of remember why I was doing what I was doing. And not that I didn't love working with those artists. They were amazing. And we had some incredibly creative moments, but you know, it, it just, after a while, I just had to switch gears. Was it during that time though, that you built a lot of your relationships with designers? Cause were you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because it, yes, because the answer, that's a really good question. And, and it's because 
you know, at that time with the rise of these pop stars, um, you know, and they really were just everything. Not that they're not now, of course, but but at the time it was sort of so much was put on the stylist, you know, to sort of help create these images being put out, whether they were in music videos and album covers, because it was so reliant on that, you know? Did you there say wasn't... you did Britney Spears music videos? I did. Any of her really well, one of the first ones I worked on, funny enough, was um the Hit Me Baby One More Time video. No. Um, yes. And, oh, and that is legendary. It's funny. I was talking to someone yesterday about how um, I did the Enrique video, the one in the desert. I'm going to, I said, I'm going to be your hero. Oh my God. I can't remember anything, but I did that one. And then I did the one where he met his wife, where he met Anna Kronikova. And I remember that one. Yeah. And yeah. we, and I remember being on set and everybody, we were just like watching. I was like, you know, those like aha moments when you see a certain chemistry on set and you're like, I don't know that they're acting here. <laughs> yeah, they were like a couple for so long. Enrique is literally one of the nicest human beings on the planet. And, you know, for all these girls I know that are so, you know, they have such a, an Enrique like forever crush. I'm like, just know he's the kindest soul. He's, such a, he's such a nice person. That way. Just so classy and so kind. You know, it's very lucky. Although, you know, all the Backstreet Boys, Jessica, I mean, they, they, I worked with really incredible, incredible people and I'm friends yeah. actually with a lot of them today. But I, but I really was ready to make a switch and my business kept bringing me, my work kept bringing me out to LA and I was so in love with California and I was so done with New York, you know, even though my family's there, but I just was so burnt out and I was like, I, I need to change. And you know, being young with no kids, Raj and I were like, well, you know, let's try it. We can always go back. As my parents said, New York's not going anywhere. So we went, um, we came out here and honestly, we never looked back. And I got my, my first job on a red carpet, like a big moment was working with Jen Garner. And after that, it would just kind of snowballed. It was like Cameron Diaz and Salma Hayek and Karen Knightley and um, Demi and uh, Kate Hudson. And it just sort of like, but I, I, I honestly like lived, lived, lived for every second of it. I would not complain about it, but I would say that it's not super sustainable to sort of live a life like that forever. You know, well, I was going to bring up, um, I remember watching the Rachel Zoe project. Mm -hmm. And so, so where in that, so you moved to <laughs> LA in 2003, you said, yep. and then yep. 2008 was Rachel Zoe project. Like maybe 2007, 2008. Yeah. Because I remember watching an episode of that show. And this was one, honestly, when I think back on it, I feel like this was really where my interest in fashion, and I mean, I, I'm well aware that I'm like not super talented anyway when it comes to the fashion. Yeah. But I just have an interest That's in crazy. it, you know? Like That's I can admire it. I'm not necessarily like it, but, that is true. <laughs> um, but I have fun with it. Um, yeah, um, mm -hmm. I specifically remember an episode of your show where I think it was the Golden Globes and you were styling Eva Mendez mm -hmm. and you put her in a white dress. Yes, the white Dior. And I totally <laughs> copied that idea somewhere <laughs> along the line for an event that I had or whatever. But I remember that specifically stuck out to me forever. And it was one of my favorite fashion moments looking back that I've ever had. Cause I, I feel like it really just kind of inspired me to care about fashion more. Listen, I, I think the thing about doing my show that, you know, as hard as it was to do in, in the insanity of my life, I think, I think TV shows are amazing. And I, 
you know, I think I'm, you know, maybe I'm going to go back to television, but I, I think, oh, please do. I think the challenge is so good. The challenge for me was that I had a more than full-time quote unquote day job slash night job that, you know, you know, it's like while shooting, it, it's very hard to actually do your, your actual life while you're shooting something. So it was for me, the greatest challenge over those five years was like maintaining my, my job, which was everything to me while trying to put out this show that had integrity and, and, and I, you know, but still maintaining some privacy, you know what I mean? So there were well, so many. Yeah, it was it challenging to have your clients participate because they, they appeared on the show, didn't yes. they? Yeah, some did, some did. And, you know, it was all challenging. I mean, every part of filming the show was challenging, to be honest. I mean, the schedule, getting people on, because at the time it was new. So it was like, you know, it was one of the first. And I think sometimes being the first is is good and bad. You know, it's it's good because you're not following anyone. And it's bad because because people, it's new to people. So it's like, you know, now if you ask someone to be, to be on a, on a TV show as a guest or whatever, they would like probably jump to the, the opportunity. Whereas then it was like, um, Oh, see, I feel like it's the op. Well, I guess it just depends on what show you're talking about. But for me, like, for example, with the Hills, I find it nearly impossible. No one wants to come on and film. Cause they're like, I just don't even want to now or then now really and I feel like back then. I mean, when back when Brody shot, um, his show, The Princess yeah. of Malibu, they got Celine Dion on there. Yeah. <laughs> that would never happen now. You know what no, I mean? No. And I but think I, it's because people didn't know what to expect, where now with reality TV, I guess it depends again on what show you're talking about, but it does have this because, perspective that it can be like, kind of trashy. Yeah. And I think, listen, you know, Kate Hudson came on the show, Annie came on the show, Jen Garner came on the show. And I think you know, I was so close with those women and, and, and I am still extremely close with some of them. And I think, um, they knew me well enough to know also as an executive producer that I would never do anything to jeopardize anything or make them look bad. And that, you know, that ultimately I was their number one fan and I would only want them to ever look good, you know, but it's still like, it's putting your trust in, in a lot of different variables. And I think, you know, that's always scary. Um, and you know, so I think now, and it, it is weird because people want me back on TV and, you know, it's, it's not that I wouldn't go back. It's that I, I'd have to go back in a way that is um, different, you know, but still compelling in some way to people. And I don't, you know, it's yeah, like, I'm surprised. I'm sure you've been approached to do like Project Runway or those kind of shows. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many things. Um, there's been some really great opportunities that have come. And I think, ultimately, you know, if I'm going to go back on TV, I think it just has to be the right thing and it has to be the right timing and it has to be the right content, honestly, you know, and my life is different and I don't want a camera in front of my kids all the time. And, you know, it's, it's hard, really hard. Did you always feel really confident in, because like we talked about in the beginning. I'm like, no, I don't even know what the question is, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just feel like you have so much confidence now, but of course you've been working in the industry for so long and you've built so many relationships over time. I'm sure that that helps, but um, I don't know, just from my own personal experience, like we talked about, people in the fashion space aren't necessarily, are, are often not particularly friendly or inviting yeah. and, and, and making your way in that 
in the industry is really challenging. And like, were there people who you felt really like were good guidance for you along the way or helped you uh, through the process or like, I don't know, or no, it's, it's a really good question. And the truth is don't mistake my confidence for age, (laughs) (laughs) meaning, meaning it's not really confidence that I have. It's more just, you know, it's funny. My dad, um, he always taught me that like confidence comes with experience, you know? And I think experience comes with age and, you know, you're not really aware of it while it's happening. And, you know, when I was your age, I was terrified of everything. And, you know, I think that I came off confident, but really, you know, every night of my life, I would go to sleep fearful that I was, you know, going to mess up my job the next day. And it wasn't until much later that, you start to, I mean, it, to be totally honest, it wasn't until I became a mother um, that I started to be, I don't know if it's more confident. I think you become more relaxed. Yeah. Is it maybe that you just don't care as much you about don't. what other people are it's, it's, saying or saying? Yes, that is true. I, I care just as much about my job, mm-hmm. but you, you ease into yourself in a way when you become a parent because there's nothing more important in any lifetime than your child so or children. And I think what happens is the things that you spent so much time obsessing over, you know, even when I think about like my styling things, I used to wake up with panic attacks about going on set the next day without the shoes that didn't match the dress and the perfect tone of pink and, you know, that the photographer was going to be in a bad mood and then was going to hate my new, you know, just things that, I used to wake up in like cold sweats about, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I look at it now, I'm like, on earth, you know? And it's like, but it's no one's fault. It's it's human nature. And you just, when you care so much about what you do, and I think especially when you're providing a service, because the thing that people seem to forget, even when I became, you know, more well-known, people would start to treat me kind of like the talent and I never would ever, and still don't think of myself as the talent, you know, I am a stylist, I'm a designer, I'm a mother. And so, um, so I think what happens ultimately is, you know, I'm sure you hear older women all the time, just saying like, you know, as you get older, you just become more calm and peaceful in your mind. And the truth is, is because your priorities shift. And it really is true. And you just, there's an easier, like, you know what? That person treats me like shit. Fuck you. Like that's, you know, part of my French, but you just start to be able to walk away from things you were too scared to walk away from before. Um, And, and you start to approach your life in a totally different manner. And I think now I've done such an edit in my life with people that, you know, you have that option to really only ever surround yourself with people you want to be around and people that make you feel good. Um, and coming up in my career was not easy at all. And I had very little support from women, very little support from women. And believe it or not, a lot of my mentors were actually men Okay. Um, in the fashion business. Do you think the fact that you did had such little support from women is what has made you want to support women now? I think partly for sure, because I think, you know, I know in my company, you know, I talk about leadership all the time and you know, our, our directors and our managers, and, you know, we do, um, 
you know, office surveys all the time. I talk to my team all the time and I talk to our directors all the time. And when I hear if somebody's not leading with positivity and kindness, it, it, it won't last because I, I'm very intolerant of that. I don't like mean girl stuff. I've lived with it my whole life. And I, and I really think when you get great women surrounding you, there's just nothing better, you know? But I, yeah, also- I mean, I think you're, you make a good point. The mean girl stuff might get you something in the short term, but yes. it works, but in the long term, it doesn't. And I think people often mistake being kind and inclusive for maybe being weaker, but that's yes. exactly the opposite. When you're kind and inclusive, it's like you're exuding a confidence and you're building a stronger core around you so that you can last longer. Yeah, because you're not, you're not showing the worst emotion in the world, which is jealousy. And that's the worst. And I did have some great women in my life. Um, there's someone, I don't know if you know, Elizabeth Salzman. Um, Karen Roitfield was incredibly kind to me coming up. There, there were some outstanding women in my life. Diane von Furstenberg, incredible mentor to me. You know, I've had some extraordinary women and I had some women that were just really not kind at all. So Do you have I, an example of an experience where you, you had a something negative that happened in your life. It could be in your career or personally, yeah. but ultimately ended up being something really positive for you. Well, yeah. I mean, well, two things. I mean, one, I was told when I was starting out that I was too nice to survive in fashion. So that's interesting. Um, um, I, well, you know, I, I, I actually, that's something that I struggle with. I've been told by people who I'm really close to uh, several that times that, nice. I'm, that I'm too nice. And a friend of mine actually said it to me the other day. She said, you know, Caitlin, sometimes I think to myself, you're so nice. You'd be really easy to take advantage of or manipulate. Yeah. Well, that's what happens, by the way. And it, and it is true. It does happen. It totally has happened to me. It, it has happened. Wanna, but I don't want to lose that, you know? Here's the thing. I think as, I think as the years go on and, you're, and you continue in your career, you realize when to put your guard up and when to let it down. And I think it's only by getting hurt and burned and, and kind of kicked around a bit and getting taken advantage of that you learn that. And I try to really believe, really, that, you know, you have to make mistakes. You have to. Because people have always said to me, oh, my God, what's been your mistake? I feel like you never make them. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I literally made countless. It doesn't mean people see them. But I know them and I certainly have learned from them and I've learned life lessons, career lessons. Um, and sometimes you really got to learn the hard way, you know? Um, you know, and, and one time, I mean, I had this woman that was so awful to me. And ironically, <laughs> we were on a job and she got fired right in front of my eyes and I was promoted into her job. Wow. Um, so, you know... Life just and, and probably by not doing anything petty, right? Like I think no. that's the thing no. is you have the option. You're always given the option whether to be petty about something or to try yeah. to kind of like exact revenge on someone for something yep. that they've done. Yep. And just having faith that karma will sort of take care of these situations and that being a good person is yeah the way to go. You hope that it does. I will say this: it doesn't always, and I think yeah. sometimes it's you know, one of the biggest challenges in my career has been, you know, taking the high road a lot when you really just don't want to. And I would say that Roger definitely has helped me do that sometimes because, you know, I think just as a woman, we 
really do think with both our heads and our hearts. We just do. It's who we are. And I don't actually look at that as a bad thing. I actually look at it as a good thing Mm -hmm. because I do think despite what people say, and you know, you hear a lot of men say this all the time and they fault women all the time for having emotion in business. And I actually think business needs emotion. I actually do because I think I think business without emotion is just this very cold, lonely place, you know? And I, and I just don't think business can be that way anymore. I just don't. I think it's so much more than that now. I mean, look at what we're all experiencing now, right? Yeah. We all have to have emotion in what we're doing now. Whether you had it before or not, you have to have it now. I think especially when you have a brand and you want people to relate and connect with your brand. That's- totally. That's how you do it. You need people behind the brand who others are connecting with and relating to and want to support, you know? A hundred percent. Who's somebody who currently really inspires you? Wow. I have a lot of people. I mean, you know, I just think the power of Oprah is like, she's just the holy grail of humans to me. Um, I love Michelle Obama. Um, but I really, Oprah to me, for as long as I can remember, I feel like I could listen to her speak for like five days without even getting a drink of water. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I feel like every word she says, I fall on it. And whatever she says is right. Someone who like can do no wrong. Yeah, really can do no wrong. And I think also the power that she has cultivated in such a way through her like hard work and her fearlessness and her ability to just speak to so many people is really, um, it's just really amazing. Really amazing. I agree. Um, what's the best compliment that anyone has ever given you? Um, I'm kind of going through these rapid fire questions. No, no, it's all good. (laughs) Um, just because it's fresh in my mind, but you know, and mother's day was so special to me this year because obviously like we're in quarantine and I will be honest with you, it's my favorite day of the year, you know, a few people texted me on Sunday and just said, like, you got the award, you know, for, for mother of the year and this and that, you know, just sort of like just nice things. And I, and I, it was weird. It was just sort of, maybe I was just super emotional that day, but I think for me, um, that really, cause you know, you're just, I think as a working mom, you just, you feel so feel like you're in a tug of war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think sometimes when you hear that, it just makes you stop and think like, Oh God, maybe I'm doing something. Yeah. Was that a, a real struggle for you when you made the decision? Cause did you yeah. decide to wait to have kids for a little bit or I waited as long as you can wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Raj and I were together for 18 years before we had kids. I don't yeah. think you've ever heard that before. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you waited a little, yeah. Cause I mean, I'm sure you, like you're a career woman, you're trying to accomplish so much, but I mean, and then yeah, I'm sure you must've felt torn at times between Torn all the time because I kept saying next year, next year, next year, next year. So much crazy and life just goes so fast. You're just like, oh my god, and then you wake up and go, oh my god. Your boys are so adorable though, and Kaya's with his eyes, and I mean, they both have insane eyes, actually. You know, they they keep me. You know, it's funny. They are the insanity, but they're also kind of like they're just the best. It's like, they, they seem they, so sweet and sensitive and thoughtful. They really are. I mean, they're boys. So they're like on the ceiling half the time. And then at the end of the day, though, I get so much love from them that it's like, no matter what's going on in life, it's sort of like, okay, as long as this is all good, we'll figure the rest out, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think that's the sort of thing when I say to you, like, I think that's the calm you get, you know, that's the sort of like, 
it's all good. You know, it's all good. As long as you have that, everything else will figure itself out. Yeah. They're happy. They're healthy. Okay. The rest I can figure out. Yep. I have a playlist associated with the podcast that I add each of my guests. Um, I have them tell me a song that I can add to okay. them meant to be uplifting. Okay. What would you, what song do you like? Um, one of my many, many classic rock goes to, I would, I would just say like, here comes the sun Beatles for sure. Oh, such a good one. Did you ever see the love um, Cirque du Soleil show? No, oh. but everyone said it would be like my favorite thing ever. I have been three or four times and I cry through it every time. Oh my God. It's in Vegas, right? It's in Vegas and they remastered all the Beatles songs. So it's like the best quality version you've ever heard of every single oh. song. And the dancing with it is just so, because most of the Cirque du Soleil show, they're all, they all vary a little bit, right? Like there's water shows and some are more acrobatic. This one is a lot of dance. And it's just so beautiful. Oh my God, I need to see it. Yes, you do. Okay, and then what's a, what's a social media account that you love to follow that makes you feel either uplifted or inspired? Do you know who I love following? Because I love his stories and he's been a friend for a long time. Um, Guy Osiri. Oh uh, yeah. I saw a- you. Hey, that's the last time I think we saw each other yeah. at Guy Osiri's Oscar party. Yes. That, um, was a, that party was stunning. Oh, it was so much fun. And you know, we almost canceled it. We really did, but it was done. It was like set up. And I was like, you know what? Whoever comes, comes. And we'll look at it as our last girl's supper before we go into hibernation. Obviously not knowing that hibernation would be this long, you know? Oh, yeah. So glad we did it. I mean, I have such a good memory from that night, you know, being I know that was, and I remember you saying that night, um, this might be the last time that we're all together like this for a long time and I was so in denial I thought I think a lot of oh, us were <laughs> it, it, it me I was kind of it kind of I don't know it sort of jolted me into reality I was like yep. oh, wait is this real this is really happening yep and that was it oh, was true. true I've had so many friends that were there that night like literally most everyone that was at that dinner from like Nikki and Anna Schaefer and Ashley and Bridget and everybody that was there literally has since texted me saying, you know, your toast that night was calling this the last supper, you know, before. Mm-hmm. And, really and everyone was like, it actually like, really was. It really was. It's bizarre. I, wish I mean, I it was a nice way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, in one of our favorite places at Chateau Marmont. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. I that's actually the night that I always think of when I'm marking the beginning of quarantine. I'm like, what was the night of Rachel's dinner? Yes, yes, it's <laughs> true. Me too. Me too. Same. That's when I started. <laughs> I would say Guy Osiri only because I I love his stories. He's so heartfelt. He has worked so hard to be where he is, and I love people that deserve to be where they are. Um, you know, he's such a classic rock lover, and I am so diehard. So. I, you know, I, I love so many of his favorite artists and I've known him for a long time. And I think, I don't know, I, just, I love his heartfelt stories that he pours into his posts, whether it's, you know, after someone passed away or. I'll need to start he, following him. Yeah, he, it's great. It's great. And it's not pretentious. It's more just like, you know, that he means every word he's saying. Genuinely heartfelt. Yeah. I love people like that. Um, One of the purposes of this podcast is to have a positive effect on other people's lives. And yeah. I like to ask each guest um, if there's anyone in their life who's either going through something challenging right now or who's just been really important or been, you know, 
helpful in their life recently who they would like to give a shout out to and that we can all kind of send positive energy and thoughts to? I want to give a huge shout out to my amazing, one of my oldest girlfriends who lives here in California, um, mother of two very young children um, going through cancer stage four, um, but fighting it like a complete warrior um, with a smile and positivity and making jokes and being strong and taking care of herself. And I think appreciating things in a way you know, the simple things, um, maybe in a way she hadn't before because she was such a workaholic, you know? Mm. Um, but anyway, I think, you know, she's been very affected, obviously, like anyone with compromised situations have been at this time, but she's, you know, instead of going to her chemo treatments with a friend, she's going by herself, you know, and it's, it's lonely and it's scary. And I think that during this time, I think she has shown and so many people I know that are compromised have really just shown, you know, their strength in this. And I think it's just so, it's just so impressive. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always so inspiring when people who are, and such a good reminder too to just be grateful for what we have. And like, there's always someone who's going through something even harder and it will definitely keep her in our thoughts. Well, where can our listeners find you? My, or your listeners can find me on, well, we just launched our new summer box of style. So you can find me on, um, of course, box of style, mm-hmm. um, dot com or, or on social and also of course shop Rachel Zoe, um, launching new collection, new, new pieces of the collection every week. And then, um, of course on my social, which is just at Rachel Zoe. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard to ignore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They can find you anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this today. I really Thank appreciate you. it. And I'm so glad I finally got to ask you so many questions. I still have a million more I could go oh on. Oh my God. Well, you know where to find me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for all of this until all of this is over so we can finally oh. have our pool day that we've been trying to have. I know. I want to have a glass of wine and a hug. That would be so nice. I can't wait. Thank you so much. Have a great day and I'll talk to you Love soon. Love and adore you. Bye. Bye.